Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast where we remove your veil of hidden demon secret, convert all your wicked, vengeful, cast out disbelievers. Uh, uh, this is damn it. Silence, isn't it? <laughs> remove it. Is it removed or is it devour? Devour, isn't it? A silence, then silence devour. devour. Yeah, Sorry. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Yeah, we're kicking off this week with a bit of Darth. And uh, I don't know why it made me think of that. I guess it's the new question we asked our people about um, if what's, what band or what song would you listen to if you're undergoing the knife. There was a news story, Danny, where a person had to have surgery, pray for a brain or something. Um, nah, it's a weird gut colon thing. We got colon thing, yeah, bad, that's yeah. right. And uh, the doctors thought it would help if they played some metal in the background. So we asked our fans, if you were having the operation, what would you like to listen to? Yeah, it's a very um, interesting topic. Normally, I don't know, I just don't feel like doctors should listen to anything. You want them to concentrate. It's very life and death shit here, but yeah. you know, not well, our operation it was. But if it helps, I mean, like, I wouldn't really care as much as, in fact, if um, they wanted to listen to, like, Pink or, you know, a bit of Avon, whatever, Guard, whatever that is. You know, as long as doing their job, and you'd be like, oh, man. I mean, like, unless subconsciously it's like, you know what, I'd rather die than listen to this shit, <laughs> and your brain just switches off. So that's a possibility. Yeah, I think they could tell by the vital signs starting to flatten out. Have we even started operation yet? You're dying on us. <laughs> oh, man. Red hot chili peppers. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also looking at this week a band that is new on our radar called a Mort Your Real Eclipse. Daniel, am I pronouncing this right? There's a Mort... You real? I've what's rule? What is that word? It's so black metal, right? It's it's a word that sounds made up, but it's kind of cool, like a bit of like a twist in the folklore of like Lord of the Rings, but more evil. Yeah, because these guys are Argentinian, so this is very interesting. So, it's yeah. very interesting. The album's called oh, again what? You you man, I feel like I haven't read enough uh, uh those Tolkien novels to read some of these titles, Danny. You're definitely right. I think we missed the Latin phase, unfortunately. That's all right. We move on straight away to our news then. All right. So a long-time listener leaves the Seattle rock station $10 million uh, when she passed away. In her will, she uh, decided that um, this girl was actually called Susan, apparently, or Susan in quotations, yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes me a little bit suspect of the story that maybe uh, Susan was uh, knocked off and the, there was that <laughs> note next to, her, next to her bed like, yeah, feel free to give uh, 90.3 KEXP all my money, you know, like. Yeah, and she signed her life insurance a day before she died as well. <laughs> <laughs> was she married to anyone that really yeah. Um But it's, look, is, is there still hope and a chance here for the Super Mel Brothers, Dan, that maybe we just need that one fan that really likes us? Unfortunately, we only have one fan which really <laughs> likes us. And I don't know, is it worth them passing on for us to get 10 bucks or keeping them going? Nah, so we, we want them to be a long time listeners to the show. Um, but the good news is they're taking this money and they're stashing it away in a long time reserve to benefit local education. Mm. According to Mill Injections, so yeah. that's actually quite wicked. They're like, you know, we could take that million, ten million dollars, go to Mexico and have a hell of a weekend. Yep. Or you know, why not do what's right for the community and make sure there's a future for radio stations to uh, to report about, maybe. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I guess it is Seattle where like the grunge scene kind of started. So if this person's a long time listener, they might be full metalheads as and well. And not just the grunge scene, one of uh, the world's most poignant groove thrash death metal bands of all time. You know, it, I know it. Nevermore. And also, you know, Sanctuary and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Pearl Jam, I think it was, or yeah, Nirvana. Nirvana. It doesn't really matter. Those, that, it does, it, all that matters is that Jeff Loomis was from there. <laughs> so maybe just keep throwing money at the problem and it will get better. 
Yeah, exactly right. So no, it's good on them, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take all donations. We don't mind, even like you know, food stamps or oh, stamps. that's right, yeah. And we'll, and we'll tell Middle Sucks about it. They probably won't write an article out since we like slam them every week. <laughs> we need we need at least one female member in our group. <laughs> we'll be like um, one of those uh, ethnic rainbows that so we'll have one of each color <laughs> in, in our room. Oh wow, Tw- Twisted Sister. Now this is gonna be a thing this week. Is uh, some people getting um, a lot off their chest, you know kind of uh, axing their way through the Mediterranean forest. Um, JJ French calls Judas Priest. I mean, he's pretty sure he's the lead singer, right? The guy with the long blonde hair. That's the guy we're talking about No, here. that's Dee Snyder. That's Dee Snyder. Sorry, this is the guitarist then. Oh, probably, why not? Yeah. So JJ French calls Judas Priest a cover band. So mm. reckons um, with KK gone, he runs a golf company now and with Glenn's left, now it's a cover band, which is interesting because we covered this last week where now... The band has no original members. Judas Priest now literally has no existing members. You think Rod Halford is, but he's not. He's actually no the shit. second singer. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, but I guess he's kind of like... he's Yeah, he's yeah. part of the band's framework. Though. He's been there for such a long time and he's had such an impression on the writing and the ability and the success of the band to getting into the mainstream. So I'd imagine he'd be considered a, a fairly member, but you know. Um, he also talks about the Rolling Stones there yeah. with watching Keith and Woody is trying to play guitar is like being driven in a tour bus by Jose Feliciano and Ray Charles, I know him, without a GPS. It's a terrifying experience. Man, that is quite the burn. That's awesome, actually. You know, um, I, I've never really listened to him, but I can safely assume that uh, he doesn't like his, their playing by the sounds of it. I guess age catches up to everybody, so eventually you might just struggle to play on live. I guess that's what he's trying to get at. Uh, regarding Judas Priest being a cover band, I guess he's, I don't know if he's saying it's an attacking thing or just saying, look, literally it's a cover band. There's no more original members. Uh, again, I'm not sure if he's trying to put his band over because I, mean, I thought they was just a, did a farewell last year. I thought that's all it for them as well. So Nah, they're still going, man. Uh, okay. Well, well the reason why is uh, with um, Deep Purple and Judas Priest, they announced a massive co-headlining tour in North America as well. Mm. From August 21st to September the 30th, so just over what's like 40 days. That's not too bad. From Ohio all the way to California, where if you know where that is in the map, it might be right next to each other and it might just be one short drive, but uh, yeah, I have no, a feeling it's a little longer than that. Uh, these guys are getting a bit on age. So that, that tour bus would be so comfy, man. Like... <laughs> It'd be long enough so you can play lawn bowls, have a hot spa and mostly nap, I'd yeah. imagine. And there'd be like a toilet for each like, person in the band just to make sure they don't like... Honestly, you see like the beers just disappear and just like more waters and... Um, KOT or some shit. Yeah, yeah. and those... Um, those uh, those biscuits that you get from Arnott's, the um, the Scotch fingers, that'd be yeah. everywhere, I'd imagine. Scotch fingers and yo-yos, apparently they dominate. I don't get it. Yo-yos are the old people. You know you're getting old when you're eating yo-yos, right? <laughs> uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Here we go. Another uh, classic case of Ian Moody calling out or blabbermouth. Well, he's been calling out a lot of people. You know, he feels yeah. like he's always getting attacked. He's one of those guys. He probably wears like, you know, those tinfoil hats. Um, but he actually has a point here with champagne. He's talking about... Um, of his latest record, that's the same of the track, but the latest record being Injustice for None, which is coming off their seventh release. Oh, Justice for None, nice, man. Awesome. Now, <laughs> I had to, um, yeah, I know, right? It's, it's very much a poignant statement, <laughs> yeah, quite lyrics. profound. But we're going to read some of these lyrics out because, and I listened to the song as well. So let's talk about the lyrics. Oh. My label tried to sue me, TMZ tried to screw, no, sue me, yeah, TMZ tried to screw me, blabbermouth can effing suck it because they never effing knew me. Now, not only is that really bad, but this is probably one of the worst songs I've heard since Otep's Equal Rights and Equal Left Stunning. It's in the same point. It's like they, they cut it down the verses so you can really hear what they're saying, like have that bass on it and rah, rah, rah. But it's so bad. Like 
the way it's written is so like ham fisted. You know, it's where, where's the, where's the delicacy of using your art form to express? You know, more than just me hate them. They're bad. <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's yeah. what OTEP were doing. But they got praise for it. You know, they were like, oh wow. We have underwear models in a film clip when they should have been destroyed for it, like this song here. It's pretty bad. Actually, I didn't know the song actually was out yet, but I read those lyrics and they're just terrible. Yeah, That's I actually like, heard it. And it's mm, as bad as what you think. Mm. It's that all that new metal stuff where it's like, you know, it all drops off in the verse and then he does that kind of rap thing. And then it's like you can picture it in your head before you hear it and you're already cringing. And that's because it's, it's exactly what you think. And it's not that good. But. I mean, I didn't know he was big enough that TMZ would actually attack him. I'll give him credit. I didn't think they were that big of a band. No, nah, they're, they're doing quite wow. well. Well, I mean, they're doing well enough to uh, have the bassist go through an eight ball of cocaine a week. Yeah. So after he was saying, uh, Chris Cale, the, uh, the bass player, said um, when he would come after a tour, there's uh, two things. You either do blow or you watch Netflix. And uh, no, sorry, he said you, you know, he said you can either get like a job and do something with your time or you can watch Netflix and do blow. And he does. He did the latter. So he was oh. happy to go through an eight ball, which is interesting because um, maybe the singer goes through the cue ball. Maybe the drummer goes through the nine <laughs> ball. And all of a sudden, you the table bully is right there. You know, what, What's the chalk made out of as well? <laughs> Dude's been chalking that cue for like 20 minutes. Yeah. All drugs. All of it. The table. <laughs> Don't get these guys into sports, man. Um, this is the thing. I didn't think the band was that rich, but maybe that's what happens. Maybe they just get all their money, throw it into it. I mean, you get awfully depressed on the road maybe that just fuels it you know you, you feel sad on the road go home then you're bored so then you do drugs to pass the time go back on the road where you feel bored that you're not doing drugs and it just kind of goes you on need and money on for the drugs so that's that's a part of the equation well at least that's a problem you have to worry about is that you know you can't afford the drugs so i guess for them <laughs> that's something for them to be positive about right danny you yeah, imagine this man because he's now been three months sober so good on him for being three months sober so imagine all the extra money i don't know how much an able of cocaine's worth i want to guess a couple hundred bucks maybe a thousand i don't really know an Able is pretty massive. And if it's like, big. like an mm. able where it's condensed and it's really hard, that's even more. You yeah, know? Well, it depends where it gets it from. Apparently, Mexico is like, there's this guy in Australia. He actually said, it's, if you want to do like a weekend full of cocaine, which is like equivalent to so much money, it's cheaper to fly to Mexico, do the equivalent of cocaine there, and fly back to Australia <laughs> than just have cocaine in Australia. And this guy's on Facebook and everything, like, wow, thank you for that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I just know because my friend told me, right? <laughs> yeah. So if this guy's going to, like, it's funny because every, like, third week they go to Mexico for, like, shows. It's like, oh, yeah, I see what's going on here. Mm. Misha Manson, our favorite guitarist from Periphery, probably the one he's maybe the most likable. I'm not too sure. There's three of them on there. But um, he's been attacked by his former label saying that they're their own worst enemy. Basically, um, he, he feel, I think the label feels like there's a lot more money out of it that they could get. He, he wants this, our band at one point to write a song maybe more radio-friendly. You know, they're very much about writing things that what for them is what they like. But um, especially like the last album we reviewed, Hey Danny, that album was very much just a splurking their dick all over a track almost. It was just so much going on. Um, they are very talented though and they're very much the production values are really good the label thinks they can do better but uh, Misha's come out and saying that um, he just wants the band to be fun he just wants to do what he does in the band he doesn't want to tour as much you know he's not happy to making trillions of dollars out of it which I guess for periphery fans and all that would be a shame because I do after reading both sides it really does feel like if they're willing to plunge a line and work together with the team in that they could actually be seriously massive yeah true I mean it's the way these two have now gone past, and now periphery want to start their own label, which I think staying our label is just a way of saying we're just going to record under our own name and release it. I don't that's think right. they're going to join like other bands to join them, etc. Because that's a lot of time and effort, and there's so many of those micro labels going around. Are you really going to 
get yourself out of there more than another label. But the way these two separate, it seems like pretty like mutual. Like the the label came and said, look, I just feel like they should have done some ideas better because my ideas are going to push them and get more money and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's perfectly saying we didn't want, we purposely signed that contract back when so we didn't have, we could do without a bit of freedom so we can do it on our terms so we're not forced to do That's stuff. Right. So, and, and then they left probably because like, now we just want to do it our way. And so it's actually quite a mutual breakup it oh, sounds yeah. like. Definitely. Now, I think the label sees it that, look, this is the way, if you guys want to break through that glass ceiling, here's how you're going to do it. But the band's, con- the band's contempt. And, you know, look, we're all going to end up in the same, you know, hole or incinerator. So Yeah, but it's funny because, like, what, last week or two weeks ago, I think it might have been Mansur or someone else from Periphery came and said, oh, we don't make any money pretty much doing Periphery. Yeah. And, like, well, maybe that's your fault. You know, like, if, if you were saying, well, I can't really remember the reason. Like, yeah, it was Manson that was saying. Yeah, yeah. it's only touring the only way they make money, etc. We're just how it is these days but maybe it's for these guys because yeah, you, yeah. You, you stifle yourself maybe your record label is trying to help you get money you kind of say no we don't want to do that we don't want to push a lot harder whatever yeah. it may be it, it does strike me the only way of seriously making money out of metal these days is extensive touring because you can't sell um, CDs and you make music out of money online anymore it's not everything's being streamed I'm not starting to understand how people can make money out of this you know uh, iTunes and all that are taking all everyone's works and making one person pay 10 bucks for the month to listen to your album as much as they want, you know, and other people's albums where it, an album costs, and I think fairly so, you know, 10 to $20 just to get your track to own for, for life, you know. It, it seems trivial when you have access to infinite amount almost, uh, almost infinite amount of music for that one price of the CD. It's almost trivializing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right. So, look, that's a big problem in the metal scene, but... Big problem music scene in general. In this moment, singer, we're talking about Maria Brink um, and the guitarists as well. They talk about the next album. They really want to do it faster. Now, the previous album, the one we reviewed, I think, was an album that they didn't actually do anything prior to the studio. When they jumped into the studio, they wrote the album in the studio, which I'd imagine is incredibly stressful. And I don't think it's the best way of writing an album. I think maybe under the pressure, you're forced to not be so critical on yourself and get an album out, I think. And like, you just go with your impulses quickly. But I think when refining and making a song even more um, layered and thick and richer and giving it time to grow, I think, I honestly believe it's better that you actually don't write the album in the studio, to be honest. Yeah, exactly right. Unless you're like Metallica, which has so much money, you can be in shit as long as you want. Three to six months. Who cares? You got right. money coming your ass. But when you're like these bands here, being a shooter, that's a lot of money. That's like staying in a five-star hotel to like read a book. It's yeah. like, no, read a book at home and go to the hotel to like relax, unwind and write your review of the book. You don't do that while you're there. Yeah. I mean, for them, if they've got the money, sure. But I'd imagine that the band in, in questioning has a, a few writers in it. So maybe they need to be in the same room at all times, blah, blah, blah. But at least have a idea of each song how it starts or give it and which they're doing for this one which is great because they really want to push themselves as well which is good too because you're not writing yourself into a hole if you're going to write everything in the same week maybe that's why it's going to sound all the same because you're influenced by the same things in that week too bad if you like listen to the Ben and Jerry's theme song and then you have that in your head all week yes, and you've got right. 10 permutations of a shit riff it's like a South Park episode like whatever happened that week they're just right about yeah exactly but if you're doing that for 10 tracks so I'm glad that these guys are doing it because they had some good they got great potential to be a very massive band as well um, Maria Brink you know on her day she can sound really good and on her worst day uh, not so great you know but uh, it's good to see these bands uh, pushing themselves on, so let's hope they do well. 
another band that's doing some work in the studio is Tool. Apparently, Maynard James Keenan said he's working on the album's done. He's done the words and melodies, but he can't track to music that isn't recorded. So it's just that little bit of noose, that, that bit of rope they need more for their fans to literally hang themselves with before this eventual album is released. So the words are done, Danny. The music must be written, but not recorded. We must be at least three years away from having this album being yeah. leaked to be released. <laughs> it, oh, but just the way he, um, like Maynard came out and said, like, started this, like, interview, he's just so up himself. He goes, um, exciting news for Tool fans and progressive metal fans worldwide. I was like, oh, you're such a fudger, man. <laughs> for I am oh, the king <laughs> of your, all things prog. <laughs> your life shall continue forever because of I am here. And this way, I honestly sell it. You're a dick. Anyway, what's pretty much happened is that you're right. They've, they've, done like pre-recording or something and so now they're going to have to hit a big studio now to record I'm like what the hell does that even mean like you guys it's just being dicks it was supposed to come out in May wasn't the album now it's not now that they're going to hit the main recording studio oh. in May maybe the maybe. album gets released when they feel like it gets released and Tool fans will sit there with sandpaper and rub it on their genitals until it is and they'll like them for yeah. it and they'll say oh this is the best ever no you're just you're genius you can't rush genius stand up yeah. This moment, you know. But if you're on a, an island that's deprived of water and food, and someone gives you, a, um, you know, a coke and some crackers, it's gonna be the best meal you've ever had because you know you're starving for it. Yeah, and I think that's what Tui does so well. It makes this fans starve for it enough where they could shit in their mouth and be like, mm, "Wow, is that nuts?" You what, know? what they've done, they gave you like the coke and crackers in like a treasure chest, yeah. and there's like a time lock on there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't tell you when the date is. <laughs> they change it May the third. Wait, it's like November the fifth. Every day you wake up, it changes. <laughs> like you bastards. Uh, what about Mike Portnoy just join Rush? Oh, there we go. Progressive metal bands. Um, he addressed the rumors. Admits that you know he's trying to find a home. This bloke because he admits he'd <laughs> want to be in a band, but you know he can definitely see it not happening. But if they happen to get together, they know where he is. Neil Peart's still alive though, isn't he? Yeah, they. Even at my point, it's just, it's probably won't happen. Yeah, Rush aren't going to. I think they, I think they're done. I think they did a last world tour last year or something. I think Honestly, Mike Portney must be regretting the decision that he ever wanted time away from Dream Theater because without that band, he is a puppy dog that just jumps from Disney movie to Disney movie, and right now he just wants to go back home. And uh, there's just no home for him right now. Yeah, it's like somebody breaks up with their partner and instead of settling down, they just keep playing the field thinking that they'll yeah. get as good as their old partner and they just don't. And they don't, you know? They always think the grass is green on the other side, but guess what? Everyone else's grass is not watered, so you should have stayed. Artificial turf, mate. Artificial, Artificial turf. turf. Welcome mate. to the world of global warming. Um, yeah, okay. He also had to go at Metallica because I, like I told you at the start of the show, this was a theme throughout the whole thing where people are hating on everything. Um, he says about Metallica never has such a huge, huge band had so many misses from the, I'm guessing the, the, the heydays, you know, the, the time where I think they got their most notoriety with, you know, the self-titled black album, Master of Puppets, Kill Em All. And the low points like Lulu, St. Anger, and even the load and reload, which even Jane Setford came out and suggests that definitely more of a label thing to, to do. Uh, you got a point here, Danny, uh, a huge, huge band. I mean, like maybe just a huge, huge band is going to have polarizing opinions for changing their sound so much. Yeah, no, exactly right. Oh, I think everybody's talked about Metallica's um, decline in, I don't know, abilities or yeah. uh, imagination and songwriting. And you know. All right, so let's finish off with a couple of quick stories with uh, Gus G being replaced by Zach Wilde and Ozzy Osbourne. Now, they've asked him, Gus G, about how he being replaced, what it felt like, and he said, honestly, it was a bit of relief because um, he was put on the back burner a while, you know, and for a musician like himself, not having a creative output and also not getting paid to do live shows must kind of suck. 
And obviously with Ozzy doing his farewell with Black Sabbath and stuff and all that, it was probably best for him to, to move on and uh, think he was happy with that. And Zach gets to be playing with the Lord and Saviour of Doom. So that make him happy as well. Oh, no, exactly right. Yeah, like Gash was saying, it was hard to like plan himself like a year or two years ahead because um, Ozzy never gave like deadlines or timelines. Saying, okay, next year we'll be touring and next year I want you to share it with me. It'll just be like he'll call you like okay, next month we'll keep, we'll, you know, help me out. So he, for Gus, is just, uh, Gus is good. You know, he can sit his fire and stick to his own stuff and plan things ahead. It's better for him. And he's such a great guitarist. He can go solo as well. Like the, the attractiveness of being on a stage with Ozzy and playing in front of those fans and making some serious money that you know he probably deserves. And like every metal fan and metal band deserves at that point in their career to earn that kind of stash is good. Um, finish off with Ozzy Osbourne now about the hologram. You know, he's talking about you know when he's dead about him being reincarnated through the digital media. Um, he doesn't like the idea, I think. Uh, he said uh, he doesn't really matter, though, because he'll be dead. But uh, he knows, he talked about story with Prince, how it was kind of like, you know, he, Prince was like, always wanted to sell himself with that and he never would do like recordings or whatever because that was his voice and his voice was his marketing tool and blah, blah, blah. So I think, I think for me, it really does feel like that. Like, why? Why do it? You know, it's like, see the guy alive, when he's alive, when he's dead, it's like not really him, you know. What do you think, Danny? What am I getting out of this interview? It's Ozzy Osbourne, so it's hard to know what he's saying, even when he's not sober or when he is sober. Yeah, I, 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 that's a good point, actually. Uh, again, yeah, he's right. Like, like so when he dies, you can't control it. If someone's going to want to make money from you, they'll do it. Um, even if you trademark your image, if you're dead, I don't think that works. I don't no. know you, someone knows the state of your body. The good thing about him, he always wears sunglasses on stage. So that whole eyebrow issue, that Ronnie James Dio had, they won't have it with Ozzy Osbourne's hologram. So you're saying that Ronnie James Dio needs to be uh, endorsed by um, Sunbeam or something. Yeah, yeah like Sunglass Hut. Sunglass Hut yeah. or something, yeah. Well, with that, let's move on to our podcast question this week then. So the question this week was... One which I didn't think we're going to get any answers to, but one that I thought was chuck out anyway. Uh, a story came out where doctors kept a patient alive by playing his favorite uh, songs or just favorite band. No, his song. His, his band. Oh, his band, yeah, sorry. Yeah. playing his band, yeah. And uh, that thought it would work. It did. He's still alive right now. Uh, the YOB guitarist slash vocalist, Mike Sheet it. What is with these names this week, man? This is a tough week. Uh, why can't we just have him Smiths or something? It's like being like an SBS news reporter. Yeah. So he almost died from diverticulitis attack. See, <laughs> from the album the- we're reviewing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he played for nine hours uh, each uh, surgery, hoping it might help. And so here we are again. The guitarist is allowed to play again. Now, we wanted to ask our fans as well, what maybe song or band, maybe your own band, who knows, what would you play, play to keep you alive on the operating table? Maybe you have to go in there for a bit of nip and tuck. Vocal cord surgery, like our poor friend from Killswitch Engage, poor Jesse Leach, aka Get Well Soon. Um, you know, Danny, it's a tricky question because, again, maybe our subconscious would recognize it or maybe we won't care. Maybe the doctor should listen to whatever the hell they will do to do a better operation service for you. Yeah, ideally, that's the first choice. Like, what you're comfortable with, doctor, you do what you're comfortable with. Don't worry about me, mate. Yeah, exactly. But, I'd just be happy to be alive. You yeah. Know, think about breathing is really important. <laughs> yeah. So with, um, it's funny because I checked out what this band, Yob, or YOB is, and it's pretty much a doom metal band. Oh. So, or doom sludge metal even. So, so pretty much all you hear, for that nine hour operation, probably like one song anyway. <laughs> 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 and it's all like, dun. 
that would have been boom. that would have felt like the longest operating <laughs> table in the world. Like, how long is this song? No, it's been like eighteen songs so far. <laughs> but to be fair, like that's being like Doom Sludge Metal. It probably sounds like just the background machine noise anyway, because it just sounds like a big like, reverberation continuously. I wonder though if the doctor was like, you know what? I'm just so glad not to listen to Beyonce today. Like they yeah. must listen to like the same crap from like their SAFM or whatever it is that they're like, you know what? This is fine. This droning is far more better than the droning I hear with a B major scale underneath it or 17 riders, whatever. Yeah, or whatever it is. Maybe this doctor found his niche. Like, this is the song I want to operate with. Maybe that, Or maybe he was a fan himself. Yeah, that's what I'm He's thinking. Like, wow, I love Yob. And I get to operate on Yob. I get to play Yob all the time. Because cool. I was thinking if I was going to have a surgery, I'd find a surgeon who likes the same music taste as me. And then it would be like, dude, I love this track. And I'd come out like of my, you know, cryogenic state and be like hey dog high five and then I'll, I'll go back to be unconscious again you know it's like you got like operation for your knee the only surgeon you likes just stuff as a brain surgeon no I'm pretty sure he can operate my knee <laughs> he likes my music I'm like uh, one of those female gazelles when they see that other pretty haired boy with all those feathers and when a when a metalhead wears a jacket with like symbols on it and I, I stop what I'm doing and if I see one I like I'll just talk to him I'm like I'll go straight my gaze will be averted to his crotch and be like oh wow that's <laughs> And I have to tell him how good that symbol is. And he's like, yeah, thanks, dude. But he never gets upset that some stranger that's just, you know, gone through a weave of crowd just to high five this guy he's never met over a and stitching. Why are you talking to him? Your eyeball is crushed while you talk to him. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, dude, that, that was good. Yeah, my eyes are up here, mate. I'm like, I made my choice. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, dude, your zip's not down. What's going on? Wait, what? <laughs> so let's talk about our fans because we want to know what they think. We want to know what bands are keeping people alive these days and what they... You know, what they listen to, but what they really want yeah. to hear, you know, is the first, the last thing. Who knows? Deep. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, ooh, ah, interesting. Yeah. So the first one is Animatic. It's a Disgorge. It says Parallels of Infinite Torture. Yeah. I'm guessing that the doctor would get the operation done pretty fast. <laughs> I'm listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want someone working your brain listening to that stuff, man, because you, you're... They're, they're going to hit something. They're yeah. going to be too excited. They're going to like nick another something. You're going to come out like speaking Spanish and not be able to see your left eye. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a bunch of... So I know you wanted a heart transplant, but I was thinking I was there and I was doing it so fast. I did your colon. I did your, your arteries. <laughs> Cleaned out that junk in your trunk. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to get ingrown toenail. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I got a little carried away, man. Our next is Braden CFC with Carcass. Necrotism discanting the... Insulabriosis. <laughs> I, I think the metal world is just screwing with us this week. Just picking verbs and, and, and vowels and just slamming them together like this massive orgy. It's too early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> anyway, uh, the problem with that is that he chose a band called Carcass. <laughs> that's a good idea. Maybe that's like the uh, uh, fruition or what is it? Like the uh, premonition of what's going to happen yeah. after the surgery. <laughs> They're going to make a song about you after this whole surgery. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, anyway, next we got uh, Daniel Serdablad. He goes, I will go with, <laughs> this is another one, death certificate from heart work. <laughs> Again, he's not looking optimistic about a surgery. <laughs> the doctor's like, Are you, do you want to live through this operation or not? <laughs> you can't have it both ways. You got to listen to your favorite band and want to live, you know. <laughs> That's terrible. So, um, look, these guys are very, um, I guess these guys hate surgery. Some people have that fear of surgery, so they're yeah. again thinking, yeah, I'm not going to make it. So when you go and play and see, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> And our last one is uh, Josh Rigby with uh, the band Sano. He wants Dom Kirk. I think that's pronounced it. Dom Kirk. They're going to do metal. They're doing metal, exactly. Where we've seen doing metal to work in the past, uh, especially this article we just said, talked about five minutes ago. So maybe that's the one. Um, but uh, 
I think there's some good answers. I mean, it does feel like a lot of these people are like watching the 9-11 documentary while being on like a uh, uh, flights from Perth to Singapore, whatever it is. <laughs> but um, let's talk more about the Danny's and we'll go into mine before we uh, go into our album review. What Danny for you, so you're on the operating table. The doctor says, look, I don't care what you want to play. This is going to keep you alive. What band, what album, or just even a song would you listen to in order to get through it? Yeah, there's a couple. I went for the more positive route rather than like Carcass and Death Note. Like, I mean, you could have done like Children of, Bo- uh, Children of Burden's Death Crew Hate Roll. It's again, Death yeah. Crew, you don't want that in your title. It kind of starts from a bad foot. So my class, well, number one you have to pick is Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood. That's big. Because Dr. Feelgood, <laughs> he's going to call Dr. Feelgood. So you're thinking he's like you're unconscious right. and the doctor's going to be feel good. So you're going to feel good that the doctor feels good. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, that's, that's the lyrics. He's, he's Dr. Feelgood. He's going to make you feel all right. Like, thanks, doctor. Um, that's, considering he's Motley Crue, the song's probably about a guy who's like, like full of sex and he's going to make you drugs. feel good. Drugs. I'm yeah. pretty sure that the doctor was drugs and the sex, yeah. drug um, guy who was giving him all the cocaine that they needed I'm guessing that, that Billy that, accept, that um, thing has yeah yeah but, but I'm going for more like Dr. Sergio so that's that's, right, that's yeah, the exactly. easy answer uh, second one that's is, pretty funny yeah I thought so yeah second one is uh, Dream Theater's Awake again it's <laughs> <laughs> called Awake so I'm trying to look positively here uh, <laughs> again and a song which is very uplifting. I like Van Halen's uh, 5150 because it has the song Dreams on it yeah. so that's a very uplifting song I like that yeah um, the Transformers soundtrack because that's just full of like oars and like power metal. <laughs> Dad, so that's like, yeah, Dad, that's right. Oh, your dreams. <laughs> so that's actually telling the doctor, Dad, keep my dreams alive by living again. <laughs> exactly. So they're, they're for, I'm going for like, again, the positive like reaffirmation route. Uh, the one song I won't play, again, this is like if you're a Seinfeld fan, is a song from, it's called Witchy Woman, which is the Eagles, the band Eagles and the album the Eagles. Because in Seinfeld, there's a guy who has to get operated on and Witchy Woman plays on the background and the surgeon's like, daydreams because he has to hear the song and stops operating the gun and guy dies yeah so yeah so for Seinfeld fans they'll get that reference yeah, yeah. so maybe find out a little bit about your doctor before yeah. you go in there and don't give him something that maybe he was beaten as a kid to a song because <laughs> then right. like he gets him to his world war trauma goes in a corner <laughs> gets the scalpel like and necks himself <laughs> yeah it's like um, we're watching uh, Reservoir Dogs before like stuck in the middle where they like torture that cop it's like no, don't play that song no 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 yeah. so basically do a bit of research if you're going to have an operation do a bit of research on your doctor and your team and make sure there's a song that doesn't trigger any unwanted memories from their childhood um, as for me I was going to keep it simple Danny went on the hilarious route but um, I'm I'm more of a guy who's a bit nostalgic so the easiest answer would have been give a bunch of great death metal tracks from the last 10 years but um, anything nostalgic from like the Rainbow albums the Deep Purple albums and stuff like that the stuff growing up as a kid that was just always on that record would be awesome um, stuff from the Long Live Rock and Roll album from the Rising album, uh, some some stuff from the uh, Perfect Strangers record, um, just stuff like that would be awesome because it's just happy times, you know. Um, yeah. Nothing too heavy because I think like I don't want to go up there and punch my, the nursing staff in the face, like or, or get this anger out. So my blood just goes further through my system faster. But then again, I don't really know how this stuff works. I'm yeah. not a doctor, yeah. so if they whatever they recommend, and again, I'm much like Aussie, I don't think I'll be around to really hear it. So. Go for broke. If yeah, you think it's gonna work. But you want albums which kind of have like a similar tone and sound throughout, because you don't want anything where all of a sudden like Flesh Got Apocalypse album. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, like it goes this whole like, orchestration just kicks in. And yeah. like, ah! So you get this oh, beautiful classical melody with a female um, choir, or whatever, or an opera singer, 
and they're doing this lovely movement, and all of a sudden, scalpel goes from your chest to your to your chin. You, know? you now have a third ear. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> all right. So I hope that really helps for the doctors and all those people in the nursing station out there, or the carers or whatever, and in those roles. Um, if you can look up to the Supermail Brothers or any of our fans, just put in some death metal, I guess, or or not. You know, it's all good. I just like the power metal, man. Something which is inspiring, uplifting, you feel good, man. You just, mm, yeah. Mm. Well, I guess with that, we're going to move on to our album review this week. So let's go. The band we are talking about, Mortual Real Eclipse. The first name, I'm not sure if I pronounced right, and I'm really sorry to the Argentinian band that I'm offending today, but don't worry, I'm just going to add you to the list of people getting offended with the wrong names being pronounced. And uh, to further botch it up, the album we're talking about, Ur- You Rush Door. That sounds, You Rush Door. That sounds more like it. That sounds so, something. Yeah. yeah, that sounds more like, I think, the idea of the band we wanted to get with. Uh, let's give a little talk about the band before we get into the album itself. Um, went into their Facebook and a few things and the uh, Encyclopedia Metalim. Formed in 2007. This is their second full-length release with the demo being dropped around 2009 as well. Um, symphonic black metal band. The lyrical themes, ancient cultures, heritage, old wisdom and lyrical themes or, or lyrical themes according to the Encyclopedia Metalim. And that's about all you're going to find out about this band Incredibly drenched in mystery and corpse paint, these Argentinians <laughs> sure do play symphonic black metal. Uh, this, I would argue, this is actually a symphonic black and death metal as well, because it has a lot in tune with a lot of the new waves of the way death metal and black metal have kind of combined over the years. But we can talk about it a little bit later. I don't want to get you, you know, your uh, black metal, death metal ear aroused just yet. Danny, where are we going to start with this album? First up, when I saw it, it was 36 minutes long. I'm like, that's a fairly short album. That's around the Moors level where I gave them a lot of shit. However, the album was so great that it felt like if you added to it, maybe you'd stretch it out and make too many fillers. Maybe this is all killer, no filler. So where do we want to start with this one? Uh, you can start on track one if you Well, want. yeah, there's no Sorry. track zero, is there? So we'll go to the Lost Bloodline, a symphonic arrangement, which is incredibly tense. It's very much the setup to your imminent doom, I'd imagine, to call it, because after this first track, there is no refuge. There's no way of being <laughs> saved. This thing is just going to just pulverize you for the next, not the whole entire uh, 35 minutes afterwards or whatever. Track seven is the instrumental, so... Yeah. And track... Nine. There's actually technically yeah. three instrumentals. Whoa, yeah. So we've got six tracks on here to, to really talk about. But they want it as a full album, so we're going to review it as a full album. So let's move on to track two, Danny. Yeah, actually going back to track one, I mean, that's just like a symphonic trope. Like, you start your album off with like some sort of orchestration, because that's just what you have to you do. You have to do it, because you cannot go and give them the next six tracks, for example, without any warning. I mean, this... You know, people have died for less in life after hearing certain things, you know. And this album, on the track one, is not for a beginner listener. This is very <laughs> much a assault on cool, all man. your senses, yeah. your ears, your, your your neck, your family, your doctor <laughs> who's going to give you a new cardiac arrest. Um, can we move to track two now, Danny? Is that enough? Or is there anything on track one you wanted to talk about? I thought the horns were nice in track one, but we can go to track yeah, two. Yeah, it was a nice track, but it's quite <laughs> tense. You know, it was a nice, yeah, yeah. It's a nice setup, but you're like, damn, this is something about this. It's it's fairly strong at giving you a warning. 
and I think that's what we're here to. So we go to ruin the empire, and straight away you are just left onslaughted by the amalgamation of notes, of instrumentation, of ability from the drummer, bass player, and even the vocalist. It is an onslaught of for the ears to be reckoned with, and I don't think I can safely remember many bands attempting this style. This is like intensity plus because the drummer's relentless. The British whole album, he's double kicking, blasting his way through everything, and but the the, the double kicking and blasting over like the slow synths and the strings and then the staccato strings and synth, it works so well though. Oh, it's brilliant! It just gives you it? so like wow, this is like so epic and so attacking, but not. It's actually it's not really worth. I mean, throughout the whole album, this one here more so. This one here is a bit more. Yeah, very epic, you could say. But that it is, and powerful. it goes through those transitions quite fast. It hits you with different ideas and different riffs and that. And it is such a way of setting a tone, not just for the album, for this band as a force to be reckoned with. I mean, these guys, for me, just in this track alone, feel like they've amalgamated such many different styles of the far darker side of metal. This is, for me, as evil and as intense as you can I've ever heard these all elements get together. You know, um, I know Behemoth, even with the Black and Death Metal days, have, have done things like heavy like this, like even Slave Shower Serve on that album being the most intense. This, for me, it feels the next step up across the board almost. Yeah, this is like combining... Well, it, the singer has a Behemoth style to him. Like his yeah, the hate style, thing. the Behemoth style, yeah. where it's that kind of blackened style. It's yeah. death metal vocals, but there's a bit of that scream to it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very angry presentation yeah that's the only thing i didn't like about this track actually was the the pause between the first track to the second track like how they recorded it like they tried again to blend the um instrumental intro like track one to the start of this track but between those two songs there was a good like three or four seconds of dead air and it didn't it didn't help tie it in well i just thought oh, yeah. if it was produced a bit nicer they would have blended that in a bit nicer cool I would say now going to the next track, Arcane Legacy of Astral Numenar. This is going to happen a lot, guys, yeah, and we're really sorry. Um, the drums here are even more destroying. You know, they almost destroy everything on this track here. Um, but the strings, again, they sound so awesome. You know, it gives you a reference point with melody. I mean, if you didn't have it there, it would be a death metal record and it would actually lose a lot because it would just be a, a chaos amount of noise and that would be like aborted if they were thrown into a meat grinder again, you know. Um, but these strings sound really sweet and the verse groove, Jesus Christ, that is friggin' awesome. So tough and it's really showcasing these guys' ability outside of just creating a blast beat everywhere but still sounding incredibly dark and brooding and evil. Not so much brooding, this isn't that, it's not brooding. No. But it's just very relentless and they're keeping the intensity going the whole time and not letting up. Yeah. Um, and that choir in the middle section here is just brilliant. The compositioning of the song here is just amazing. Each new section with instrumentation, the riffing of the guitarist really standing out on their own. Even the riffing on the previous track was awesome too. Mm. But uh, just more of this, more of just uh, embellishment of that the tone that they're really going for. Yeah, it's a it's a pacey song compared to track two. Just because again the strings are more intense, they don't they're not the slow they're actually quite fast and especially in the chorus they try to keep that pace going keep the intensity going which is good and like this they do like different layers like one one layer of strings is going fast the other one is the slow one it's kind of like when you do dueling guitars you yeah. do one offset the other they use strings instead which just gives it more of an evil tone So Secrets right. of the Revenants uh, yeah it goes to that start with that cool rock out kind of thing where hate was very much um, I remember with the, you know it's that kind of old school black thrash kind of intro where 
got some nice chords next to each other. It reminds you of the stuff from early in the band, like Metamorphosis or even a little bit from uh, some of the other stuff around it. But um, it's a good, good stuff, real, real cool. It, again, shows that more of how you can create awesome evil tones with different ideas. Um, Chemlos into the gallops, really heavy. Um, the transitioning from the uh, these chromatic chord movements as well with death metal sections into black, into thrash. Oh, yeah. And again, the symphonic elements really being the vocal point, giving you a grounding basis of something to hear melody in, which is it's just great. Yeah, and this, um, well, this song has more emphasis on the drumming and the guitaring. The yeah. synths are a little bit stri- stripped back compared to the other two, which is good. Change the upper bin. You, know, you yeah. don't want to just hear like strings play for like, well, in this case, three, six minutes. And they don't. They break it up good. They first time solo it's not really much of a solo but it's a little bit there and just help fill it in a bit but yeah. i didn't even notice it <laughs> no it was more was, like a bridge it was like yeah. maybe it's four bars or something you know with all of some in the track five uh again it's got another uh, cool little silent hill kind of weird twingy kind of guitar tone which yeah. is awesome it sets up another uh variation of that tense moment that you're going to uh get released all over you much like a um a cheerleader going into a all-black workshop, uh, mechanic workshop, I'd imagine, in a uh, porno. Um, the intro was very intense, very evil, going into some more creative members in guitar-wise, and even those kind of hell-raising spoken vocalists, uh, yeah, the voice, the um, vocalist, is doing those kind of hell-raiser kind of things. It was, um, it was evil times, man. Very angry track. Um, yeah, and he brings back the, vo- the intro at the outro, and it just, uh, nice. makes it even more badass, which nice. is... Very good. You know, it gives it its own moment, very much a prolific moment. Um, I liked it. Yeah, no, good. And again, this is a bit more of a methodic song rather than, again, it's not pacey again, it's going back to being a bit more methodic again to yeah. help more, more about the toning rather than just try to be fast, which again, good. Change it up a bit, makes it variety. Um, a little mini breakdown in the middle again, just, you know, to help break up the song a bit and take away a bit of intensity and come back hit your heart. So, yeah. Yeah, that's no, good. Again, they're doing well there. Moving into what would be the most radio-friendly track on this album. <laughs> And it, with that, it wouldn't make most radio stations. The piano being very nice at the time, like with that very flesh gaudy kind of like very clean, but more symphonic with the Dimmu kind of style, you know, with those big chords being rung over the top for more atmosphere, but really still just making sure the atmosphere is about being violent. Um, the vocal here is so aggressive and so um, just uh, punchy and stuff, you know. I really, really... I keep remembering like each member being so awesome and this track here for me just remember the singing styles just going oh my god and all that amalgamation of all the groovy riffs and the piano work dichotomy is just amazing yeah that's great yeah again yeah now instead of using again the guitar emphasis or string emphasis more of that on the keys emphasis this time again yeah. breaking up a bit which is good anyway right in the middle they get a bit like it's pretty intense with the, the battlings between the synths and the keys and the drums so they create a different tone and feel and I guess what's good about this album, we keep, like we said, we just keep hearing different elements coming to the front, which is good. Helps bring it up. And again, not, another good methodic song. And again, the 10 strong is always the way through. Laid vocals helps. Oh, it does. Starting to wind down the album now with track seven, Beyond the Sands of Perdition. Again, this is the second kind of like instrumental. It is romantic sounding very middle eastern inspired you know it's got that folk kind of sound but folk to the contrast of what's going on in that in that uh, area you know could have had a singer in it maybe um to have to break it up a little bit it doesn't feel like the song particularly hits a climax or anything it's just a nice breaking up and some really nice melodies in there that come across which is quite nice yeah i thought it was a good time for the album to 
strip back slightly. Yeah, we, it needed we, it though. Yeah. It did because the guys were aware that you cannot do this the whole time without some sort of contrast because, you know, people can't last through it, you know. But then when saying that, the last real heavy track on the album is In Extremis with track eight. Amazing intro. This is really like this band pushing themselves with the drum lines into another in the riffs pushing these riffs into another dimension I think these riffs here are so awesome but the drumming then puts it into like world class because without it it might just fall a bit flat you know uh, but everything is being pushed every member is being pushed by each other uh, building up with the middle section being with incredibly orgasmic with those strings and stuff you know it's just amazing yeah and it keeps the tone of the um like the Egyptian Middle Eastern style on track 7 the guitar tone and solo yeah. in here keeps that tone going which is quite good so it means like that track 7 wasn't just thrown in because they want to be arty they actually try to tie it into like the album which is very good I don't think I had a problem with this album was that in the middle part where they do like a strip back section or in the middle they, they do like a breakdown section they should have come into it like with real like headbanging chunky riffing but they don't they come back with a fast section again yeah. like, nah you missed they, the opportunity they, they do that though they they can do that breakdown riffy kind of thing they did it in track three you know so they know they got it in there but they felt like maybe they just want to unload the beast all over your uh, ears so to speak in this last track well, so I, it's not the last track but for me it's kind of like the last metal track yeah, of the yeah. album um, going into the last track the edge of the black portent this here you can just showcase the arrangement of the strings and the pianist as well um this is a song on its own i honestly would have thought though that the track maybe could have gone i would have thought maybe an extremist in the last track and they could have pushed the other ones around more but the very end of this track feels very much in place here it just feels like the the, the first third or first two thirds of this song it didn't really feel like the last track material it kind of felt like a bridge but when the ending came like, all right well the way it finished it did feel like it can end like this so it was just a great way to, I think, slow it right down, put the brakes on. Um, it did feel like in this, the weather needs to rain a little bit more here in Adelaide when listening to this track mm-hmm. because it was nice and sunny and I would have felt like, I love this track, but I think it would have been nicer if maybe the weather was a bit more miserable. But what a way to finish an incredibly impressive album with an amount, with all these parts, Danny, working. It's so easy to see this machine being not working at all because there's too much going on. But this year, I think, is all the right parts and all the right places. But I want to know what you have to think about the album as a whole before I maybe get into it a little bit too prematurely. Oh, is that exciting? I thought it was a great album. I thought it did a really good job. Uh, 36 minutes is surprisingly short for this genre. I, th- yep. I was surprised when I heard that. Again, like three or so instrumentalists means pretty much only like a 29-minute, 28-minute uh, album. But I thought they did a great job. They always change it up. Uh, drumming's amazing. Riffs are great. Um, strings and violins, how they altered it all together and transition between the songs is fantastic. Kept the evil going, kept the pace going. Sometimes they stripped it back when need to. So I thought they did a lot of good things. Again, sometimes uh, some of the endings were not great. They just didn't really tie some of the endings off or finish them nicely. And again, sometimes I think they missed opportunity where they could have gone really like heavy and just slow chunky riffs rather than just keep the pace going. But Again, that's more of a taste thing rather than yeah. style. I will... Um, sorry, you finished there, Danny? Yeah, I'll come back later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go through it. For me, first up, the musicianship on this album across the board is second to none. This is world-class band right here. Um, the guitarists, first and foremost, are phenomenal. The amount of imagination and creativity has gone into every song with their riffs um, is all, second to none. These guys, for a second album... Keeping in mind, 
I don't know how they managed to do it. You know, I've I've seen bands before in the past not being able to create this until like Septic Flesh, for example. When I heard that, I'm like, damn, that is a phenomenal album. But that's a little bit later in the, in the band's lineage. Um, even with Behemoth, I didn't really start getting into them until the uh, you know the album's like in the middle kind of thing as well. But for this second hour off the bat, with so much going on with the drumming, like you were saying, it just adds so much to push them up further. The symphonic elements are phenomenal. They don't just sit there to serve as atmosphere or whatever. They actually serve a real purpose in creating uh, more dread or more anger or more sadness to a song. It actually helps give it more depth because without it, it would just be a death metal album almost. But a good one, but they sound so right to be there. It's so clever the way they're done because every time you hear Symphony added on metal bands, even to, to say... You know, that whole gimmick how it was going on with like Metallica and all that. They were doing like the, the, the orchestration with the band. It sounds cool. Now, this is how it's done. A song that's designed with it, not added on it for a bit of a gimmick. This is a band that needed it. Um, atmosphere is perfect. I think the production here is really awesome. I think, yeah, you might be right. Maybe there was a couple of instances where uh, maybe X, Y, and Z could have happened. Like you said, the first transition. But if it had a clean production, uh, pristine production everything would have been lost the tones the uh the way everything would have been put together i think the way this was done and the credit must be given to the producers of this album and the guys who mixed it as well and the mastering because everything is perfect it makes it sound even more evil and even more intense which is great uh symphonic elements again styled so well uh some great tracks off particularly track three for me but there are some so many memorable elements uh vocal elements perfect you know, it's got that style with the black and death metal, but it just so the delivery is absolutely spot on, and it helps drive the songs. Um, well, I think I'm really just kind of like getting a bit gushy with it, but I think it's because even though it's only 36 minutes long, the amount of work put into every song maybe it can't be longer than this because if it was, it would need maybe another element, like another thing to slow it down or something, or maybe another kind of style going in there. And I don't think if because what these guys were trying to do was was create such a sound, and I don't think you can achieve that if you go any longer than this, Danny. Yeah, true. And maybe they thought that was enough. Like you don't yeah. want to make them write another song, two songs, because they have to hit like a fifteen-minute mark or something. Because that's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, one way they could have extended the album was with more guitar solos because there wasn't really many guitar solos in there. Yeah, they could have done like the tropes and have like choirs and stuff, etc. Yeah. But, but then, like, would that take it away from the album? I think it would. I think this was methodically put together, everything about it, even to the point that um, I, 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 before I get into that, sorry, I will talk about the even the intros. Like, as soon as I hear every track, I'm like, I gotta listen to it now to the very end because they just capture your imagination straight away for me anyway. And this is what I've been looking for in, in albums for, for a while. And to be honest, Danny, I think before we get into the final review, I can't imagine the last time I had so much fun listening to a record wow, in the go. show. Wow. I mean, like, we've had some great times with um, uh, Beggarith, obviously Flesh God Apocalypse, Samow, all these great albums. But for me, when I heard this, I'm like, this is going to be something special, this album. And I don't know how high it's going to hit my list at the end of the year, but let's just put it this way, I've put an order in for this album to buy it. Because when I heard it, I'm like, these days, I, I used to buy all the albums to the show um, before we got it. And I'm like, that's too expensive. And I don't want to give money to certain bands if I don't think they deserved it. But this one here, straight away, I'm like, how much, where can I buy this album? Yeah. It's going to be expensive. Don't give a shit, you know? So I had to do it. 
Um, it's amazing. And I, re- I fully recommend anyone who's in the black and death metal yeah. to buy this album because it is an essential purchase and it's showcase of how much a person, a band can be driven to write something incredibly heavy with so many moving parts and get it right. Yeah, exactly right. And the shame about this is that in what a month or two's time, Demi Borg's album's coming out and that's going to be like listened by millions of people and this one probably won't. And this one here sounds like it's going to be a better album. Yeah. Which that's a disappointing thing, but that's unfortunately how it well works. Well, here's a chance for the metal industry and the metal labels out there to redeem themselves. You know, I've been asking for forever. You know, start pushing these bands up into the gods here, which they deserve, you know. Uh, we, we got Moore's Prince of Mess with the album Liberation Equals Termination in E minor, like the standard Metallica tuning and some of the best riffing I've ever heard and not get a chance um, to be praises. And I think it should stand alongside the, the best albums in the 80s. It won't, but it should. Um, uh, with Archfear, we heard the best technical death metal band I think I've ever heard in forever. And this band here should be regarded as one and I really don't think it is. This should guys be at necrophagist levels. And in fact, they should surpass them because they're still going right now and they should be on there. And every release I've heard from them has been far good. And I think this band here, I'm just thinking out loud, they should be the next Black Death Metal band that should be raised onto top tier level. If they keep running albums like this, they should surpass Behemoth. Um, uh, all those bands like Aborted, or I know they're more grindcore, but uh, anything in that Hate, for example, that, this album's clearly better than the last Hate album. Um, just going on and upwards for these guys and I really hope they get the recognition they deserve because it is one hell of an album this one and in the words of I'm not going to say the band again because I'm going to stuff it up <laughs> Material Eclipse we'll go with that over the ruins of an empire the realm of ruin arise while their god is peeling to evoke the disaster the reign of ruin arise perfect and with that with the end of our show buy Mortal Eclipse whatever it is just buy the album uh, you you Rushta buy it um, thank me later it's amazing uh, I hope they tour Australia they won't Argentina from what I recommend is pretty far away from Australia and uh, hey if they come to Sydney or Melbourne me and Danny were happy to drive and meet you there and buy you a beer for making our lives on the show a little bit easier yeah yeah sounds good to me <laughs> and with that end of our show thank you guys so much for listening if you want to catch us more head over to our Facebook account at facebook.com forward slash super metal bro we couldn't get bro so it's super metal bro yeah. um, leave us a comment maybe you want us to do us a certain review of a CD maybe you want us to do a certain news story and we always post up you know what's going on in the metal world on there and also questions for our next podcast we're also on SoundCloud obviously soundcloud.com forward slash super metal bros and uh, feel free to comment on any part of the time if you like a certain minute of what Daniel was saying. Yeah, make him sure he knows. He likes to be validated for his reasons. Uh, he comes up with some good jokes now and then. So with that, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've been Super Metal Brother. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and we're going to catch you next week. Go Mortal uh, Eclipse. Woo.